and welcome to Devotions on the Psalms, Israel's Songbook, a podcast by Christ Lutheran Church in Brea, California. Today, Pastor Pat Hauser guides us through Psalm 44. A wonderful Wednesday to you. This is Pastor Pat here with our Wednesday Psalm Devotion, and today I'm very blessed to share with you a devotion that is based on Psalm 44. How about if we open up in a word of prayer? Father God, we thank you for this day and we thank you for the word that you provide us in scripture, in the Bible. We thank you for the absolute truth that it is in a world that can, it can be very difficult for us to find the truth, Lord. You give us your absolute truth in the pages of scripture. We pray now for the power of your Holy Spirit to guide us and direct us in our studies to open that truth up to us, that it would sink into our minds and our hearts, that we would put it to use in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So this is quite an interesting psalm, Psalm 44. And last week when I shared with you the devotion on Psalm 41, I did something that day that I hadn't done in any of the previous devotions that I've shared. I gave it a title. And the title that I gave last week's uh, Wednesday devotion was Full Circle. Because that was a phrase that the words of, of Psalm 41 kind of spoke to me as I was reading the verses. Today, as I've been preparing and, and reading these verses to share with you in this devotion, another title has come to mind. And that title of this devotion would be, really? With a question mark. You know how a, a teenager might say, when you say something that is very, very obvious to them, they'll go, really? Like, duh, of course. Um, or sometimes you say something that they're so unfamiliar with, they'll go, really? And so the title of this devotion is, really? And I'm saying it in something of an incredulous way. When I get to the words of the psalmist, it's almost as though he's shaking his fist at God and he makes some pretty big claims. And as I read those claims, I went, hmm, really? Really? Anyway, the psalm is to the choir master. It's a maskil, and a maskil was probably a musical or a liturgical term. It is a psalm of the sons of Korah um, that were um, something of poets, I guess, for the for the early temple. Um, the psalm begins in a pretty praising and uplifting way. The song begins giving God praise for everything that he's done. And the praise that he receives is because of what the psalmist and God's people have learned from those that have gone before them. It's kind of a really neat example of stories of God's work in the lives of his people being handed down generation to generation. The psalmist writes, O oh God, we have heard with our ears, our fathers have told us what deeds you performed in their days, in the days of old. You with your own hand drive out the nations, but them you planted, you afflicted the peoples, but them you set free. For not by their own sword did they win the land, nor did their own arm save them, but your right hand and your arm and the light of your face, for you delighted in them. Verses four through eight go on with this similar idea that God saved his people and it was he 
alone who saved them. It was no effort on their own. It was not through their own military might or any other skill or ability they had. It was God and God alone who did this for them. But then when we pick up in verse 9, the psalmist writes, but, here's a big but, but you've rejected us and disgraced us. And I'm going to paraphrase this section. You've made us like sheep for slaughter. You've sold your people for a trifle. You've made us the taunt of our neighbors. You've made us a byword among the nations, a laughing stock among the peoples. All day long my disgrace is before me and shame has covered my face. Wow. This really expresses the boldness with which we can come before the throne of our Heavenly Father. We can be bold, absolutely, but we ought to be truthful. And a phrase that Pastor Eric and I use quite often when we speak to one another and, and, and frequently when we teach Bible studies is we need to be self-aware. We need to know and understand what role do we play in the way our lives go. Did God really abandon his people? Because that's kind of the accusation of the psalmist here. You've rejected us and disgraced us. Really? Did God reject his people completely? Or did he remain faithful to them? Friends, sometimes when we go through times of difficulty, it's a time of pruning. It's a time of discipline. And God works through these difficult times of discipline and pruning. And he works in this way that we might bear more fruit, just like a plant in your garden that needs to be pruned back sometimes to make it more productive. That's us. And God allowing his chosen people to be overrun by other nations, to be ultimately taken into captivity, was a result of their unfaithfulness. The psalmist goes on to accuse God of not keeping up his end of the contract, the covenant between them. In verse 17, he writes, All this has come upon us, though we have not forgotten you, and we have not been false to your covenant. Our hearts have not turned back, nor have our steps departed from your way. Really? Really? I seem to remember reading in the Old Testament how time and time again, God's chosen people turned their backs on God, and as a result, God sent them judges or prophets to call them to repentance. And sometimes the prophets would be put to death. Sometimes those judges would be listened to for a short period of time. And God's people would be reconciled only to drift away out of right relationship with God. The psalmist actually has the audacity to claim that God is asleep on the job 
In verse 23, Awake, why are you sleeping, O Lord? Rouse yourself. Do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face? Why do you forget our affliction and oppression? Really? Friends, God does not sleep on the job. God was with this people and was always for them even when it seems to the contrary. And friends, the same goes for us. Can we be bold and and to voice these concerns from the depths of our heart? Can we at times shake our fist at the heavens and wonder how and why God would afflict us in the ways that he does? Of course. If God had shoulders, they'd be the biggest shoulders you could ever imagine. He can take it. He's got big shoulders. He's God. It just really strikes me, though, that at the very last verse of this psalm, the psalmist really betrays his lament. He writes, Rise up, come to our help, redeem us for the sake of your steadfast love. And you know what? Steadfast means unchanging. Friends, in spite of the fact that throughout this psalm, one of the sons of Korah shook his fist at the heavens with the thought that God had abandoned his people and just let them twist in the wind, had turned his face from them completely and thrown them to the jackals of the world. That didn't happen. And the psalmist even knew that God's love for them was unchanging. Because God was always for his people and he was always with them, even though it seemed to be to the contrary. And friends, you know what? That's the same love that he has for us. His love is steadfast. In Hebrew, the word is hesed. It is long-suffering. It is unchanging. We can be bold. And we can go before the throne in heaven, but we ought to be humble at the same time. And when we pour out our hearts to him, we need to be self-aware of our sinfulness, which is what got those Israelites into this predicament that they were in. And that seems to be the source of most of the troubles that we have in our lives as well. Repent, pray for forgiveness, then pray for God's rising up on your behalf. Be self-aware because he really loves you and he is really for you. In Jesus' name, amen. God's blessings to you today and for the rest of your week. See you next time. Thank you for joining us. As a reminder, follow Christ Bray on all social media outlets and visit ChristBray.org. 